welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. The making of that scene, once it was filmed, because they were only going to do one take, the director turned to the cameraman and said, did you get that? And he said, I think so, but I had tears in my eyes. And then Jimmy said, I'm absolutely serious when I say this. This is one of the greatest honors I've ever had. He was a very faithful Presbyterian, had been for many years, most of his life. He was a member of the Presbyterian Church and a God-fearing man. But whatever emotions you just experienced watching that scene... Would, would you take those and would you, would you join me in thinking about what it was like for Mary? Those nine months. And then, and then giving birth to Jesus. What what it was like for her when she had to tell Joseph, her fiance, that she was expecting. And and he struggled with that news. Did she did she almost imperceptibly touch her tummy? When she had to tell her parents and her family and her closest friend. That, that she was expecting. And, and they struggled with, with accepting the fact that it was the power of God that had made her pregnant. Did she just naturally reach and begin touching her, her tummy? When she was in the marketplace... And was shunned by all the other women. And when she heard rude and hateful things said about her and to her. How many times do you suppose in those nine months. Did Mary rehearse in her mind and even say to herself. The words from the angel Gabriel. Don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid, Mary. Let's let's say them again together. Would you would you join me? Right here? Say them with me. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. 
and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then God said this as he was closing this with her, say it with me, for with God nothing will be impossible. How many times during those months and years? You know, the scripture multiple times says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. Mary pondered these things in her heart. I, I suspect that the, the encouragement that enabled her to walk through that rejection, that ridicule, that pain was rehearsing in her heart and mind the words of God. Don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid. It's the Son of God. You're, you're carrying the Son of God. For with God, all things are possible. Wow. You see, it's not what you're going through. It's who's going through it with you. It's, it's who is in you that makes the difference. Listen to how the Apostle Paul said it to uh, the church at Colossae. These are his words. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which God has given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now, now how's, that, how's that possible, Paul? He goes on. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generation, but has now been revealed to his saints, to them which God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not what you're going through. It's who dwells within you. That makes the difference. Listen to how he wrote it to the church in Colossae in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. It's verse 7. I'm going to begin reading and going to read down to verse 10 and then we're going to jump down to verse 16. Listen to what he says. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's the earthen vessel? Pinch yourself and say, me, my body, right? We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the power may be of God and not of us. So he goes on. We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, 
but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. We keep getting up off the mat. Always caring about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus also may be manifested in our body. 16. He goes on to say this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's not how severe things are. It's who dwells within us that makes the difference. One more. One more. Let's read Romans chapter 8. What, what did the Apostle Paul write to the church at Rome regarding this? These were his words, beginning at verse 28. You know this probably. Many of you. You probably know this. And we know. Want to say it with me? That all things work together for good. Okay, let's say it together again. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are the called according to his purpose. Okay, but, but don't stop there. Listen to what he says just down a couple of verses. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Yeah. See, it's, it's not how difficult and how hard. It's not how many people are against you. It's not what you've gone through in life. It's not the struggle. It's not that. That's not the determining factor. The determining factor is who dwells in you. Yes. you. When you reach inside, is no one there? Is it just you? Are you handling it on your own? Are you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps? Well, what do you do when the bootstraps break? Then what do you do? Well, I'll figure it out. I'll get through this. And, and what if you don't? What if you don't? Folks, honestly, that's why people get drunk. I, I just can't deal with it today. And so they, they get a half a case. Or they get a bottle, bottle of bourbon. And, 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 they, and they, they just, they numb themselves because they can't deal with it. Or they get a roach. Or they get a hit. Just 
some way, I got to numb it. And why? It's because they're empty inside. There's, they're, they're, when, when they reach inside themselves, they find it terribly inadequate because the only one in there is themselves. But the Apostle Paul said it doesn't have to be that way. You can have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Your body can be the temple of the glory of Almighty God. And you can have that treasure in your body. And when you do, you may get knocked down, but you're not knocked out. You may be perplexed, but you are not overcome. You overcome every time. And it will work for good in your life. That's God's promise. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now, we got to know who this is that's living in us. Okay? When, when, when we receive Jesus Christ into our heart and life. Well, back to the book of Colossians. Let's read a description together. And then this is where we're going to dwell the rest of this message for just a few moments. It's not going to be a lengthy time. But I want to talk about who that is that dwells in you. Because in, in, you know what I find? I, I find way too many of God's kids identify it with a historical Jesus or with baby Jesus. I, I, will, I will never forget. This is, this is back almost 20 years ago now. Wanda and I were planting a new church in Spokane, Washington. And in the months leading up to, uh, we, we, we were doing a, a six-month startup. And we, we were going to launch on Easter Sunday of that coming year. And uh, so during those months that, that we were doing that, we were, we were visiting different churches to, to get a feel of what was going on spiritually inside the community. And I got to tell you, we were really disillusioned. We, we looked at one another and we went, what in the world would we ever do if, if we weren't pastors and, and, we had a depi- and we had to pick a church? We looked at one another and went, we couldn't pick any of these that we visited because there's, there's, there's no spirit there. And this one Pentecostal church we visited it was, it was Christmas season and the pastor was preaching his Christmas message. And his whole message was about baby Jesus. And then these were his words. If you want to receive baby Jesus in your heart, raise your hand. I got in the car and looked at one and I said, do you want to receive baby Jesus in your heart? And she goes, I can't believe this. Dean, what's going on in the body of Christ? I wondered that myself. I was so confused for the people. Let me read for you how the Apostle Paul describes who lives in you. Colossians chapter 1 beginning at verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and are in the earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. 
Wow. He is the head of the body, the church. The firstborn from the dead. Hmm. By him, I say, whether things in the earth or things in heaven, what's by him? God has reconciled all things to himself. God has reconciled all things to himself and made peace through the blood of his cross. Now look right here. And right in the middle there, right in the middle, you'll you'll see this. You go, well, he skipped this part. No, I didn't. I was saving it. Right in the middle there, it says that he might have the preeminence over all things. That he might have the preeminence. It's not in there? Yeah, it is. What? Look with me at verse, um, it's verse 18. That in all things he may have the preeminence. One, one translation says might. <laughs> Look at what he's saying. Look at what he's saying. Let's, let's break this down a little bit, all right? He is the image of the invisible God. I love how this is in the Greek. The word is is a Greek word that literally says it is absolutely. Image. Image is not a portrait. Image is like a snapshot. The, the exact representation. You know, a portrait, someone is looking at you and they're painting what they see of you. They're putting on the canvas, right? It may be a caricature, okay? You ever seen caricatures of... I love it when they make caricatures of politicians. That, that's kind of funny. But it's their impression. That's not what it says here. It's, it's more like a snapshot, okay? Where you're, you're holding up your iPhone or your iPad and you take the picture. Now you have an exact representation of that person. You get it? And that is what this is saying. He is the exact representation of almighty God. He is God of very God. How he said it later in the the very next chapter. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Okay, I know there, there are cults out there that will say that he was one of the gods. No, no, no. He is God. He is God. No, back. I'm not, I'm not done with that slide yet. Thank you, dear. Okay. He is the firstborn over all creation. This is so important. Now, there are people that will point to this passage of scripture and say, see, Jesus Christ is a created being because of this term firstborn. Okay. But 
here's what you have to understand. To understand that, you have to go back to the Old Testament where it talks about the firstborn. See, this is not talking about how he came into existence. This is talking about his position as the firstborn of all of creation. His position. The firstborn son in a family received a double of the inheritance. Let's take an example. Let's, let's say that there were, there were four sons in the family and dad died and, and it was worth, uh, and he was worth $2 million. Okay, they would divide that $2 million by four. But then they would take half of it and give it to the son. The remaining half would be divided three ways between the other three boys. The firstborn got a double portion of the inheritance. Why? Because of the responsibility he carried as the firstborn. As the firstborn, it was his responsibility to care for his mother and support her as long as she lived. It was his responsibility to care for and support any unmarried sisters that he had until they were married. That's why he received such a large inheritance. That was his responsibility. But here was the other thing. He was the kinsman redeemer for the family. So if a family member was murdered, it was his responsibility to ensure justice was carried out for for that family member. But here's the other thing. If a family member was was, uh, lost in the slavery, maybe they became indebted and they couldn't pay the indebt. And so they they were lost in the slavery through indebtedness. It was the responsibility of the firstborn son to go and to redeem that family member out of slavery so that and to redeem the property so the property always remained in the family the firstborn Jesus Christ is the firstborn over all of creation hallelujah he is the one that cares for us he has the responsibility for us and he is the one that redeems us out of the slavery of darkness and the power of Satan Not only that, he is creator of all things. For by him all things are created. That are in heaven and are in earth. Visible and invisible. Where the thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. John said it this way in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is the creator of all things. And so he is rightful owner of all things. Amen? Amen. If you, in your shop at home, build yourself... A boat, or you from from scrap get the frame and get all the engine parts and get everything, and you build yourself a car. Who has right of ownership 
and determination of what happens with that car or what happens with that boat. You do. You do, because you're creator, right? It's yours. Well, who do you think has right and ownership over everything that's created and over your life? The Lord Jesus Christ, because he created it and he created you. Wow, not only that, go ahead and go to the next slide now. There's two, there's two terms that we see here in this passage. He is and in him and by him. He is before all things. He is before all things. He pre-existed everything that exists. I, I, love, I, I love tormenting people that, that are committed to evolution. They want to say, well, you know, there was this lightning bolt and it hit this slimy goo and, and suddenly things began to come together and then, and then they came out of that slimy goo and they began to walk. And I, and I asked them, where did the lightning bolt come from? Where did the lightning bolt come from? Oh, well, you know, there was a big bang. Where did the big bang come from? What made the Big Bang? They'll say, oh, uh, you know, these elements. Where did the elements come from that put together that made the Big Bang? You, you want to say that there is self-generation. Self-generation defies everything of science. But see, of course, now we're committed to junk science. We, we have gone, with the, the human mind has gone so far into relativity that even Alfred Einstein doesn't recognize his own theory of relativity because he believed in God. And it's gone so far until, until and we have distorted it so far until what we have now is junk science. And, and we're wanting to base stuff on junk science, really. But dear ones, we are told clearly in scripture That he existed before all things. People say, where did God come from? God has always been. He is from everlasting to everlasting. There is nothing before him. And when everything comes to an end, he is going to fold it all up like a garment. Because he will still exist. Because he has always been. Because he is almighty God, creator of heaven and earth and creator of your life. And he holds all things together. He is the head of the church. I know there are men who like to think they're the head of the church. Got news for you. Dean Hackett doesn't run this church. The elders and deacons don't run this church. And you can ask them. Very, very, very often when we get together once a month and we have our meetings, our prayer starts with Lord Jesus Christ. You're the head of the church. You come here. You take charge of this meeting. You tell us what you want to happen. We don't want to be doing what we're doing and then ask you to bless it. We want to be doing what you're blessing. Huge difference. Huge difference. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. I'm submitted to him. Yes, I'm submitted to human authorities, but I'm submitted to him. It's his church. He called me here. But I am shepherd of his sheep. You are his sheep, not mine. 
And I answer to him for how I care for you. And if I were to ever be abusive or manipulative or intimidating to you, I got to answer to him for handling your sheep, his sheep that way. Because you're his sheep. Come on. You're the sheep of his pasture. I'm just his under shepherd. Come on. Amen. And that's why I try to handle you with love and mercy and grace the same way he handles me. Amen. Amen. He's the beginning. Everything starts with him. It all starts with him. He's the beginning. Everything starts with him. He is the firstborn from the dead. I love this. We already know he's the firstborn of all creation, right? But here's the beauty. He's the firstborn from the dead. You know what that means? Exactly what it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, where it says that since the children lived in fear of death all their life and that slavery, he... He has destroyed the one that had the power of death, Lucifer, Satan. Hallelujah. When the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he took the keys of death and hell out of the hands of Lucifer. And he no longer has the power of death. He no longer holds the authority of death. The Lord Jesus Christ is the firstborn. He has redeemed us from death. We don't have to fear death anymore. Hallelujah. Our kinsman redeemer redeemed us from death. You go, wait a minute though. But I'm going to die. Nah, nah, nah. You're just going to switch places. You're just going to leave this earthly body and step into the eternal kingdom where you're going to have a heavenly body. This, this earthly will put on the heavenly This celestial will put on the terrestrial. This which is temporary will put on the eternal. Hallelujah. Man, you can't, isn't that wonderful? And he is preeminent. Literally what it says, that he may have preeminence, that he might have preeminence. Literally it's saying that he might be the superior one. He's the superior one. He's been given a name that is above all names. In Matthew 28, 18, the Lord Jesus Christ said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And look at this, look at this. So now, that's who he is. Now, in him and by him, all fullness dwells. All fullness dwells. There's no lack in the Lord Jesus Christ. He never wakes up and goes, oh man, what am I going to do? My checkbook ran out today. His checkbook never runs out. You know what I'm saying? He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. He, he never runs out. He never runs out. When, when he had to pay taxes and they were concerned because they didn't have anything, he, t- he said, go fishing. And, and, and when you reel the fish in, open his mouth, there'll be enough money to pay the taxes. He hadn't run out of money. They thought they'd run out. He didn't run out. They're out, they're out in the wilderness. And all these people are there, 5,000 people. And they're going, we better, there, there's not, a, the local store doesn't have enough food to feed these people. What are they going to do, Jesus? He goes, what you got? Oh, we got 
we got two loaves of bread and we got five fish. That's enough. What do you mean that's enough? There's 5,000 people. Actually, it was 5,000 men plus kids and wives, right? But what do you mean? What do you mean we got enough? He said, yeah, that's enough. See, it was enough with him because in him all fullness dwells, right? And so he just blessed it and they just started passing out the food and it just kept passed out the food. When they got done, they collected what? Five, five loaves or two loaves and five fish. Uh-uh. Five baskets, 12 baskets full, right? Are you kidding me? How many times multiplied over? Look at that. Look at In him all fullness dwells. Isn't that beautiful? In him, all things are reconciled. All things are restored to right relationship. And he's made peace. He's the prince of peace. Now, dear ones, listen. We, every one of us face problems. This, this life, this world is a world of problems. When you were born into this world, you were born into a fallen world where, where Satan is the ruler of the darkness of this world. And because he's the ruler of the darkness of this world, he does everything he can to fill your life with darkness. And so you were born into a family with imperfect parents. Maybe you had alcoholic parents. Or maybe you had drug addict parents. Or maybe dad abandoned you. Or maybe mom abandoned you. Or maybe, maybe like myself, I was born into a family where my, my dad was, was battling. They didn't know it then, but it was called PTSD. My dad had been in some of the worst battles in the Pacific. My dad's body had been filled with shrapnel from his shoulder clear down to his knee. My dad had had to shoot a man. An, an enemy combatant. As close as I am to Darcy. He never got over that stuff. He never got over it. In his 80s, he would cry like a baby if he talked about it. Never got over it. That impacted our family in, in more ways than, than I can describe to you. Maybe you grew up in an abusive home. Maybe you were one of the lucky ones and, and, and your home was, was pretty normal, whatever that means. Maybe it, was, maybe it was a really good healthy. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. You didn't grow up with Christian parents. Or, or with, with perfect parents rather. Maybe they were Christian. But they weren't perfect. You didn't grow up with a perfect brother and sister. You didn't go to a school with perfect kids on the playground. They tormented you. Called you frog face or dumbo or fatty or whatever. Come on, we grow up in a really evil world. Evil stuff happens and we get broken and we get wounded and we get crushed inside. We feel inadequate. We go after stuff with all our heart and we don't always win. We are doing really stupid things with our kids today to try and make it possible for them to endure this stuff. And so... Your, your team doesn't win the championship, but they get a participation trophy. Really? There can only be one champion. Get over it. 
There's a first place, a second place, a third place. They don't then put out stands at the Olympics for all those that participated. They get a gold medal, a silver medal, or a bronze medal. That's it. Get over it. Grow up. Learn. Well, how do we do that? How do we deal with this stuff? Because it's crushing. I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of times when I was going for with everything I had, and I wasn't good enough. I tried, but I wasn't good enough. What do you do with that stuff? Well, you can sit in self-pity, and you can feel sorry for yourself, and you can live in the rubble. You can live in the pain. You can stay there and live in the pain. Or we can learn what the Apostle Paul was saying to the church at Rome, to the church at Corinth, to the church at Colossae. We can learn what Mary learned. When Jesus Christ lives in me, he gives me the ability to get rid of all that pain all that disappointment, all that disillusionment. I can be healed inside of that wound. I don't have to live with that the rest of my life. Even if I have been abused, sexually abused, molested, beaten up, I don't don't have to live in that pain for a lifetime. I can live victorious, not live as a victim. Amen? Look at what we can learn here from what we discover about who dwells in us. Look what we can learn. Go ahead and go to the next slide for me. Look it. He's living God. When you ask Jesus Christ to come live in you, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Come on, amen? amen? He gives us the power, the authority To be sons and daughters of God. Now I've got a question for you. If you're a son and daughter of God. Are you broken? Shouldn't be. Come on. Amen. Amen. Now maybe you're living broken. But you don't have to be. Let me stop a minute. I've seen the power of this. Set drug addicts free. I mean that had that had hundreds and hundreds of dollars a week in, in drug habits. I mean, they, and their brain was fried. They could not carry on a conversation. And I've watched God heal them and make them a whole new person. I've watched God take abuse victims, abuse victims that couldn't even go to the dentist because they, they could not stand for someone to be that close in their private space. They would go into immediate panic. I I have watched men, Vietnam veterans, their lives be healed through the power of what I'm telling you today. I'm not sharing with you just, just fancy little spiritual things. Your pastor is sharing with you what really honest to God works. But you've got to understand who it is that lives in you when you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. And he comes and lives in you. Nothing he cannot handle. There's nothing he cannot handle. There's nothing that's, that's too great for him. Okay? 
Go back one slide for me. This is how most people live. They try to be Atlas. Oh, I got it. I got this. I, I got. I got this. I, I, I got it. I, yeah, I really do. I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh, and they're on their face. Come on, right? But look at this. Go to the next slide again. But look at this one. You've got Jesus healing the paralytic. Remember, they they let him down through the roof. Then they had to repair the roof for the guy. But they let him down through the roof. You've got Jesus healing blind Bartimaeus. You've got Jesus raising Lazarus. He'd been dead four days. Are you telling me he can't handle what you're dealing with? Really? There's no need too great. In him, all fullness dwells. He's got it. What do you need? He has all fullness. What do you need? What do you need? That's what I, I love. And we're going to be looking at, at this in, in, uh, through, through starting in January and on through the spring. We're going to be looking at this in 2 Peter. But listen to these words in 2 Peter. According as he has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. In him all fullness dwells. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he has given to us the authority to live free. We don't have to live as a slave. What addiction are you battling? You can, you can break it. Depression? You can break it. Anxiety? You can break it. Worry? Are you a worry wart? Stop growing those warts. He's the healer of that. He's the healer of that. He can break it. He really can. He's got the power. Look at this. He holds all things together. You go, you go I don't know. It feels to me like everything's falling apart. Well, that's because you're trying to handle it. The best you can do is imperfect. But the one who is perfect lives inside of you. And he holds all things together. It's time to stop and give it over in his hands. Say, Jesus, I've been trying. Would you please pull this together for me? He does. He does. Amen. He's the great restorer. He's the great healer. The reconciler. He's the great reconciler. And he, and he heals. I, I, I grew up in a home that was, that was broken. Time I was five. My parents divorced. My mom... She, she was kind of a party girl during my elementary school years. And, um, and then, then she remarried. Her husband went to Vietnam. And just, he was, a, he was an emergency room medic and just emotionally broke down over there. They ended up getting divorced. My dad... I told you, struggled with PTSD. He went through five marriages. I got married. I didn't have a clue what what a healthy marriage looked like, what a healthy family looked like. In the first several years of our marriage, I'm I'm talking, you know, less than a decade. I I was trying to do what I knew to do, but I honestly didn't know what to do. We've been married two years. Our kiddos started coming along. that was, that, that was when I still hated Christmas because in our home, Christmas was always getting drunk and having fights and arguments. 
And so I hated Christmas. And, and I, I just didn't know what to do. And finally, I, I just fell on my face before Almighty God. I said, God, I want to have a godly home. I love God. I was a preacher. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I love God with all my heart. I love Wanda with all my heart. But I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I hadn't had a mentor, a role model. But I want to tell you, the great reconciler and the great restorer, he began to take me. Well, first he took me to the woodshed. (laughs) Gave me some pretty good spankings. And said, what are you thinking? Well, I don't know what to think, Lord. So you're going to have to help me. He says, well, that's obvious. <laughs> this, is my, this is my paraphrase, okay? And he began to teach me from his word. And he began to bring into my life mentors that I could look for. I can't tell you. I cannot tell you how much. This was in the first year that James Dobson was on the radio. And he became like a lifesaver to me. And Chuck Swindoll, I got all the stuff he had on marriage and family and, and, and others that I went to. And, I, and I, he's the great restorer. I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, if, you, if you've got a broken relationship with a son or daughter, you've got a broken relationship with your wife, you've got, listen, with your husband, listen, the great restorer lives inside of you. Now, if you've gone through a divorce and you go, but we, you know, we've gone through a divorce. What do I do now? The great restorer lives inside of you. Let him heal your heart and make you the kind of man, the kind of woman you ought to be. Come on. Amen. He's the great restorer. He is the Prince of Peace. He does not want us living and fighting and arguing and bickering all the time. He does not want us living in condemnation and judgment. He has delivered us from condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. He has given that to us, the great restorer. Would you stand with me, please? We are so blessed that you joined us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at